This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Welcome back to episode number 12 of the Team Stripes podcast. This week we're bringing you a special group chat with two very good officials. Uh, one is Alex Estabrooks, who is a junior A referee, a midget AAA referee, and is on the verge of making some big breakthroughs to some high-profile leagues. And then our other guest is Logan Bunn, who is a QMJHL linesman, who has also worked some high-profile tournaments like the World Junior A Challenge in Shro, Nova Scotia, and the World Under-17 Challenge in Sault Ste. Marie. So I want to welcome both you guys on to the podcast. Thanks for having us. I pre- really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, and so uh, we're pretty lucky that you guys uh, could find time in your busy schedules to come talk with us, so uh, it's much appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, I wonder if you guys could maybe just give some more uh, feedback and uh, some more filling on what uh, you guys have done in your careers. Well, I was uh, I was raised in Sackville, Brunswick, and that's kind of where I started my hockey career. I mean... Grew up in the minor hockey program, started refereeing at the age of 12, second year peewee, and started my first ever hockey game was with Matt Hicks, local stud from the Maritimes, and honestly, I fell in love with it. I don't know what it is about getting yelled at or whatever you want to call it, but... Because it happens quite a lot when you ref. 100%. Usually a couple missed calls here, there, whatever, but honestly... Just growing up, it was another excuse to go to the rink, ref hockey, make a little bit of money. But then once I kind of started growing older, loved, I still fell in love with it more. And I knew my hockey career was not going anywhere. I could barely make the, the provincial team. So at the end of my Bantam second year, I figured I'd call her quits. Ref a couple of years. I always said I was going to come back, play high school in my grade 11 and 12 year, but never happened. So when I was in grade 10... I've done hockey for my first year, and I got into the Amherst uh, referee scene because it was a 10-minute drive. More hockey for me because as good as Sackville was, there wasn't enough hockey. There wasn't enough teams. So I got in with the Cumberland County um, minor hockey, and that's where I started to actually grow. Like I had some good guys around me. I mean, Sackville is great. It's always say it's great, but Amherst really pushed me at a young age. And every weekend I was doing like 10, 12 games during the weekend. And during the week I was doing like five or six games every every week. And I'd always, every time I got a call from either my refereeing chief from uh, Sackville or even Amherst, they'd say, Logan, can you come do a game? I'm like, yeah, because there's another excuse to go to the rink, another excuse to go skate around and whatever. So through that, I got a shot in the Junior B League when I was 16 I didn't do much that year, but it was I got a good enough sniff. Still enjoyed it. I mean, Junior B with 16, you have guys trying to kill each other left, right, and center. And for some reason, that excited the hell out of me. <laughs> so I worked Junior B that year. Next year, worked Junior B, Junior C, stuff like that. And then when I finally graduated from high school, I stayed in Sackville one more year. And that, that winter, I got a shot at Junior A for the commandos did some stuff with the ramblers and then when i moved out to moncton that with the zone zone five that's where as much as amherst could mold me 
Moncton Zone Five. Definitely Scott, like sculpted the the guy I am today. <laughs> so it's a good, work, way, good way of putting it. Yeah, worked major midgets all the way through, and then junior A worked playoffs eventually, and then I finally got the call. Not shouldn't say finally, but I got an opportunity to work the Telus Cup um, championship that was in Quiz Pamps. Worked the gold medal game, and that was probably the that was one of the first cool experiences I've ever had. And tell us, Cup, just to inform the viewers, that's the uh, major that's... midget national championship. Yeah. So you have team from out west, central. You have the Maritimes, then you have the host team. A couple other teams, I think I don't really remember, but it was really my first like cool opportunity working a big high profile tournament. Then the following year, I was I was put into the OPOE program, and then through that, I had an opportunity to work the World Under Seventeens in Sault Ste. Marie, and that was a real eye opener because because that's where you meet some guys from all across Canada that know what they're doing, and they were all a step above me. I was still just a young little little bugger. What I wasn't in the queue at the time, so I didn't really know what to expect. I worked five six, uh, placement five six, and there's a lot of good guys there. You meet like that's probably the coolest part of the whole game is you meet a lot of cool guys from across Canada. And through that, I got hired to the queue. Worked handful of games my first year, and had a opportunity to work the World Junior A's in Churro this year. So there's a lot of cool opportunities that I've been a part of, and I really appreciate all of them, honestly. Yeah, and just for the uh, listeners out there that might not know what the QMJHL is, it's basically, would you guys say, the, the highest level short of professional in, in, in Canada? Compared to CIS, like it's just a rung below CIS. But, but for the players, they're, they're mostly younger, so be, these would be guys that would be going on to the NHL yeah. and to, to top you know, teams. In the... Definitely. That's, that's where the NHL drafts out of is, is the CHL. So you have the QMJHL in the in Quebec League. Uh, you have the Ontario Hockey League and then the WHL and you get the top players from Canada, US and you get some imports from Europe and and you see a lot of good hockey players so that's where the NHL usually looks through and and uh, Alex I think we might have ran out of time now from, from, from Logan's introduction but could you maybe provide some feedback on uh, some you know inform the listeners on uh, how your career was yeah, no, my uh, my career isn't as impressive as Logan's. Um, haven't had um, uh, the great opportunities he had, but uh, I did have some really great opportunities. Um, so I grew up in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick. I refereed through the uh, Moncton Minor Hockey Association, um, similar to Logan. The rink was my second home. It was refing all week, refing all weekend, and then I finally got an opportunity during one of the... Uh, the biggest Atlantic Canadian uh, major tournament. That's the ACC? No, that's the uh, Monctonian. The Monctonian, Monctonian. Okay. We'll tell uh, some stories about that later. <laughs> yes, we'll talk about that one. Um, got an opportunity there to move up. Um, I was uh, supervised for the first time, uh, unexpectedly, and uh, it's been uh, it's been uphill from there. Um, I work major midget junior A uh, this year. Had opportunities uh, like the Midget Major Atlantics, uh, the ACC, just nice Atlantic Challenge Cup. And just uh, you've moved up the ranks pretty quickly. Like you've seen some pretty high level hockey, and you're kind of on that path, I would say, to, to really making a big breakthrough. Out, you know, Where, what's your what's what are your aspirations in the next few years for yourself? So my my all time goal, similar to a lot of referees around here that 
that, that love to ref. Um, their their biggest thing um, is to uh, get a shot at the at the queue at the community NHL. Mm-hmm. So hopefully soon I can get that opportunity and uh, and then go from there. Yeah, and I wanted to get uh, you have a really cool story in how you started officiating that you've told me before. I'm wondering if you could maybe share with the the listeners out there how you kind of got your start. And I'm I'm sure somebody some people out there might have similar uh, stories. Yeah, no. So um, so during the uh, Monctonian the major tournament. My uh, high school hockey team, we were doing the clocks, um, and that that was the first year uh, that I got into the zone five. So that's um, who assigns the games for a major and stuff. And um, I was only doing the lines. I only had a couple games that weekend or whatever. And uh, I was doing the clock, and then one of the supervisors um, for the rinks came over, and said, "Alex, one of the referees on uh, on rink C got hurt." Can you go on? I said, yeah, sure, whatever. He took over the clock. I got dressed. As I'm getting dressed, I'm like, wonder if it's lines, ref. Like, I was pretty pumped. Just, just you know, I was new to it. And uh, so I get out there, walking over, and uh, I see that it was referee that was hurt. So I was like, okay, perfect. I was expecting it. The Monctonian uh, that year brought in uh, the Bantam Majors. So it was a uh, three-division uh, league that year. So I go on the stripes or whatever, skate out, finish the first period or whatever, um, and then go to the time box, and uh, it was a major team, and I was like, interesting. Uh, 17 years old, uh, ref midget major, uh, first opportunity, unexpected opportunity, um, so after that first period, I was pretty pumped. So whatever, game goes on, it's a great game, supervisor comes in the room. I had no idea who he is. He goes... Hi, my name's Donnie Gadette. Nice to meet you. I go, I had no idea who he was. Never really heard of him before. He really liked how I was and how I ref that game. And uh, that's kind of how I got the opportunity to move ahead. It was an unexpected opportunity, but I mean, that's sometimes what it takes uh, for some guys. And that's pretty much throwing you into the fire, right? I mean, you could, you know, start out and do a novice or an Adam game, but getting thrown into a midget game and a Monk Tony, and that's... Uh to to not uh, to not uh, you know fail at that that's pretty pretty impressive I think no it wasn't it was uh, and like I wasn't really much of a referee like I didn't really think of um, myself as a referee it was more of a linesman at that point um, and then that's kind of how at that moment I started refing yeah that's a it's a pretty cool story and uh, both of you guys have some pretty cool career stories and you're still young so I think that those careers are gonna to go to, to, to some pretty cool places, but um, yeah, no, uh, for this podcast, I really wanted to touch on something that you guys are really good at, and that's communication and teamwork. Uh, anybody out there listening knows that teamwork and communication are probably two of the best tools in the toolbox for any good referee, and it's really critical to having a good game. I mean, we all know that you can referee and just not talk to anybody and, you know, call the game by the by the rule book, but that's uh, to really work communication and to, to have really good teamwork out there really separates the good officials from the great officials, right? So I'm wondering if you guys could maybe offer your opinion, maybe starting with Logan, um, on communication and teamwork and maybe what you, you've you learned and what you try and incorporate into your game. Well, let's start with face, like face-offs. Me, that's where communication kind of separates a lot of the guys. Is It's easier to talk to some of the guys than rather just boot them from the jaw if they're doing something. So, and that's, that's where I find you build a lot of rapport with the guys. If you can talk to them and say, Hey, listen, like you're getting a little close to the line here or something like that. Like talk to him instead of just gassing him from the jaw, he's going to respect that. And he's going to appreciate the fact that you took time out of like out, out of your way to go tell him something. 
So it all starts with communication, I find, because without communication, it's hard. It's hard to get your your point across, and and player, players are people too, and I guess referees are people too. So we got we have to find a, le- a a level that we are all on to communicate with. It wasn't like is it something that you've had to work on as a, as oh, an official? Like was it something you've always been good at since you, you started refing? Or no, when I was young, I didn't really ever say much when I was on the ice because I never thought you had like the communication. I never thought about that. And then when I started going to the Don Kowarski referee camp and they preached on the whole communication thing, they that's when I started to kind of think that like maybe I should start doing this. So when I went back to my minor hockey. I started kind of like I, w- I wasn't motor mouth out there right away, but I found that like you'd say a little bit like, hey, how are you doing? Even stuff like that just kind of builds your confidence. And then you start talking to players and you, and when you start seeing the reaction, a positive reaction from it, it kind of like fuels the fire. So you go, OK, well, maybe this is like a thing that you should be doing. Maybe this does work and you start communicating and then it makes things a little bit easier. I mean, when you're a young official in the minor hockey program and if you can communicate to a coach that might talk down to you because you are 16 or whatever and you can communicate effectively with him, you'll gain a little bit of respect and he's probably not going to be on you as much. It's just the little things like that that I found kind of separate. It helps build your game and puts you at a higher level and makes... Makes it easier for you to move up the ladder, I find. So, before we switch to Alex, because I want to get the referee perspective on communication. Like, as a linesman, Logan, you've worked the QMJHL, which is really a, a pretty high-level league. I mean, do you find it's more important when you are working with these teams, you have to build relationships to have that communication? Like you were saying, with your centermen is a big thing. Do you find that working these high-level leagues, it's even more important because you get to see these guys so often? Oh, 100%. I mean... You don't see, when I was doing junior A, you didn't see every team every night because you, you didn't work as much. But with the queue, you're on the ice like at least once a week, sometimes twice, maybe even more. And you see the same couple teams every once in a while. So you, you know who the centerman is. So you see him come to the draw. And if you want, he's always going to try to time you. They're always going to try to cheat and time you. But if you can get into his head saying, listen, I need a fair draw from you and I'm going to get the other guy to have a fair draw. They're going to respect that and they're going to respond better. Communication in the queue, I find, is is number one. I mean, you can call offsides and icings, but if you can communicate, it's going to make your day a lot easier because they're not going to try to fight with you left, right, and center. And then the coaches see that. If it's you got to communicate with everyone, the coaches, the players. It's it's a whole it's a whole new perspective when you jump into the queue. So communication, I find, if you can get communication down, you're going to be set for a long time. Yeah, and I wanted to switch to you, Alex, because obviously me and Logan are, are more linesmen, and we have our communication that we sort of uh, specialize in, I guess. But for a referee perspective, I feel like it's even more important. I mean, what uh, what have you learned in terms of you know communicating with players and coaches, and you know what are the main things that you focus on uh, during the course of a game? No, uh, for sure. Um, one of the main things with uh, refing is, I find, like, as a referee, is your communication, especially during the play, whether just tell them to move the puck or just, like, even after the plays, talk to them, just be like, hey, try and keep your stick down. Next time you get it up, might have to put it in the box kind of thing. Um, and I find that can sometimes um, take away the heat from the game. 
um, that can de-escalate a situation quickly. Um, just if you have that little chat with the players and stuff like that. There's a lot of times um, where plays can uh, get heated. Um, so if we just have that quick conversation with them, it could move the game faster. And so is that your goal as a referee with communication? Is it, is it to keep guys out of the box or is it to keep the game flowing? Like, uh, you know, like what's your ultimate goal? Like, why are you talking to these guys? Well, we want to keep the game going, right? We want to keep it fair. We want to keep it safe. So if we can just have that quick check and de-escalate the situation, that'd be the goal. So like, what's an example? Like if you're, if you got a coach just hollering at you or something, how do you de-escalate that? I mean, do you... Do you work in a little bit of humor? I mean, what do you? What's your approach in a situation like that? I mean, it all depends on the coach and the game, I guess, and the situation um, that it is. If it's if it if a coach is arguing about a tripping call, I'm not gonna give them the time of day. Um, but say there's a big hit, he wants to see my perspective of it, whether um, it was a good hit or a penalty. Um, then then we'll just t- chat and we'll be straight up. We're not going to create some create a story. Uh, we're just going to stick to the facts and uh, quick and away we go. And uh, like I think it's interesting because I think like I was saying like linesmen, it's pretty straightforward our communication. We have our very set jobs, but for you, it's, there's a lot more going on. I think there's a lot of young referees that are out there that are listening that that deal with these angry coaches and players, and sometimes they might feel like they're forced to go talk. I mean. How do you differentiate between a bench that you can approach and a bench that you should stay away from? Is there certain things that you've picked up over your career? Mm-hmm. So if the if they're on you all game, um, always wanting to talk to you, um, if they're always freaking out, I usually recommend just staying away. Just kind of mention that they lost their privileges to talk kind of thing. Um, but I mean, if it's, like I said earlier, if it's like a big hit, something like that, and they might be angry because their kid might be hurt or they might have thought it's high and then just you can have those conversations that way kind of thing and so obviously we were talking about you're saying how you know communicating with coaches and players is a big part of the game but obviously there's another important uh, team on the ice that we have to communicate with and that's our team the, the team in, in stripes so I'm wondering um, if you could talk about as a referee how do you talk with if you're doing the four-man system maybe your fellow referee how do you communicate with your linesman I mean what's what are some of the, I guess, you know, tricks of the trade that you've picked up to work with, with your team in stripes? Um, with a referee, it's kind of hard because in a four-man system, you guys are you're pretty far away from each other and you never really cross paths. The only time you really cross paths is on an icing. So whether it's just, hey, bud, keep it up, or just something kind of encouraging with the other referee, then do it that way. With the linesmans, um, there's a lot of times where you're, you're the outside guy and the puck's in deep. You're usually standing next to a linesman out there, so you can just usually ask them, oh, what'd you have on this play? Think of that kind of thing. Just a quick little chat, see where their head's at, make sure you didn't miss anything mm. that way. Yeah. So, uh, Logan, I guess switching to you then, on the other side of the coin, working with a team on the ice, uh, you know, with a fellow referees, I mean, what are some of your objectives, I guess, in communication? Like what, same thing as what Alex just said. If if I'm on my blue line and my ref's right, stand right beside me and Maybe he sees the play, maybe he doesn't, but you just kind of check up, like, what do you see on that? And maybe it's a, you hear a good clean hit, or he goes, maybe we missed one. And it's just, if you have a little, quick little chat, maybe get the same pages like he just said, but going to the linesman to linesman aspect, that's a big, it's a big communication thing. Sometimes pucks coming up on the boards on your side and it's your blue line. Well, 
Like some, I'll always give a look over to my partner, see where he's at. If he's close, I'm bailing because I'm, I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to obstruct the play and I'm not, it's almost impossible to make a good lot, a good offside call. If you're standing on the blue line, you got five guys around you battling for the puck in your feet. It, you're kind of useless there. So, so walk us through what, like, that's a scenario that I think a lot of linesmen will, will encounter and have to work with their partner is a situation where they're knocked off. Like what's, can you explain that process, how that works out? Like, let's say you're on the blue line and a puck's coming out towards you and you have to bump. What's that process like for you with working with a partner? Well, with the cue, it's before the game, we'll usually talk and say, like, do you like to bump down? Do you not like to bump down? Do you want to hold your line? So you get a good feel of, like, who, who your partner is. If it's a guy that likes to bail, I'm always going to be on his line because he's going to want to bail more often than not, which is 100% fair. But then you have other guys that will hold their line till the day they die. They're, they'll stand there and die on their line, honestly. <laughs> but you got to read them. And I'm always going to be there, but just in case. But you got to read read your partner. And it's their call. If it's their line, it's their call. Like You can't come in and butt in because that's where you have conflict confrontation and if he's waving something off and it was his line and you're blowing it down well now you're making our whole team kind of look look a little funky and it doesn't put off a good perspective it doesn't look like we're on the same page and that's where like in the higher leagues you'll have coaches that pick up on that and then they start kind of trying to turn you two against each other and then it starts kind of snowballing and that's the last thing we need we need to. It's always got to stick as a team. You got to. You might not even agree with the call sometimes, but you got to stand behind them. There's an icing where team shoots the puck down, and your partner sees a tip, but you don't. You can't just go down and blow it unless it's a hundred percent obvious and everyone in the rink knows. Sometimes you got to eat it, and if the coach goes why, you got to deflect it. You can't throw your teammate under the bus. That's the last thing you do. Just to add to that too, what me and Logan we work a lot with each other, so I know how Logan. Logan style of lines and um, he knows how I ref so we work a lot with like the same guys so I find it a lot easier that way too like going into the game I would know Logan style uh, compared to somebody else from like a different association or Nova Scotia or something like that too. so so what's the benefit of that is it just kind of you have a comfort level do you just is it easier to stay out of the way of each other I and mean, what are the big benefits to, to having that experience with, with fellow officials I think you nailed it with the comfortable level. Um, we know what's uh, what's going to happen going into the game. So yeah, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier going into the game. Uh, the style of officiating. I mean, you know what you know what your partner's going to do. You kind of have to. You put it puts you at ease, I guess, because it's one less stressful thing you have to worry about. You don't have like you don't have to worry about what is my partner going to do. So now you can start focusing a little more on the game. It's it's one less stressful aspect that I find helps out with that. So yeah, Alex, could you maybe provide again, like like Logan was mentioning, about, uh, you know, sometimes you have conflicts with your partner out there where one sees something, one doesn't, and you have, you know, maybe some conflicts that arise. I'm wondering if you could provide the referee perspective on that. And, you know, maybe sometimes you'll make a call that your partner won't and they'll overrule you or something like that. I mean, could you provide maybe some experience on that and maybe your takeaways that you could provide to listeners? Yeah, so the big thing with the foreman now got the outside guy who could be 50 feet away from it and you could be 10 feet away. He could have a better angle on it than you in the, in the zone. You might think it's good. If he thinks it's high, he might have his arm upright. Um, so that's where the communication comes back in. So we'll come in after the first period kind of thing. We'll talk about it. As personally, I never take it take off to offense. If he thinks it's a penalty, then he thinks it's a penalty. 
So you just got to go on and... But, like, would a good coach, because I know I've seen it before, where, where a good coach will try and get in your head. Yeah. You know, he'll say, well, how did you not call that if your partner did? I mean, how do you respond to, to that from, from players and coaches? You just gotta, you just got to play it off. You got to... You gotta keep your uh, head on your shoulders and just and realize that either one you missed it, he might be right, or two, just like he said, he's trying to play head games with you. So obviously, there's the, there's that there's that element. There's the lines and working together, you know, icing's offside. There's the referees needing needing to communicate with penalties that happen. But obviously, there's situations that it takes all four guys to work together. So I'm thinking of like high sticks, hand passes, maybe potential major penalty situations. I'm wondering maybe, Logan, if you could start and talk about those kind of calls and how you work together as, as a crew. Sometimes you'll have a, a hit in the corner or something like that, and the referee's down low, and he kind of he gets blocked out by a couple bodies, and the, the hit might be high, it might not be, and, and we have a player down hurt, and we have a coach yelling and screaming that it was a high hit, even if it was or wasn't. So we'll come as a group and we'll kind of talk about it, because if he's in the corner, I'm on my blue line, we have two different perspectives of perspectives of it so it kind of that's where we can kind of come as a group and chat and and maybe we come away with major sometimes maybe we don't depends on depends on the play and and that's where a lot of teamwork happens same with high sticks you'll have uh the referee might initiate a high sticking call 50 feet away but i might be 10 feet away and i'm pumping like pumping the wave off we got to work as a team and sometimes he might not agree with it, but I'm 10 feet away and he's 50 feet away. It's one of those, you got to trust your partner. There's a lot of trust that comes within us working as a team. Cause if we don't trust each other, it's, it's hard to kind of work as a team. And then if we're not a team out there, it's no one really has your back and it's kind of a lonely place. If, you, if no one's got your back out there, cause you got two teams that want to yell at you for any reason possible. Yeah. And like Alex, like I, I know what you're saying, Logan, like I, I've, but at the same time, like for a lot of referees, there's no real set procedures for a lot of this no. hand pass and high stick situations. Alex, is there something that you kind of, if you're going in with your crew and you're refereeing, is there something that you'll tell the crew before the game or is there a certain, you know, way that you sort of uh, do that? Yeah, no, for sure. Before the game, like Hogan mentioned earlier, you just have that talk. You have the talk of, would you rather the uh, linesman take the hand pass? Would you rather uh, them take the puck out of play? Depending on the zone, too, some referees would rather uh, to take the pocket and play inside the zone. So it's just it's just a t- chat before, because like you said, Brandon, there's, there really is no procedure on that. Do you? Is there certain? Is there certain? Even though there's no certain procedure, is there certain things that you per- personally prefer to use? Do you prefer your linesman making that hand pass call or the high stick call? If it, I prefer myself, um, if it's in if it's in my end. Um, I prefer to take the hand pass. Uh, just I'm closer to play. Linesman's out in the zone. Um, but I mean, if if the puck's in the neutral zone, guy bats it out, um, then it's pretty much free game from there. Okay, so for listeners out there listening, basically, it's whoever has the best angle, whoever's closest, and sort of that level of trust that you guys were, were talking about. It's trusting trusting your your partner, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. But a lot of, some referees um, and linesmen. They prefer to, I know a couple guys around here, um, they prefer to take care of all of it. But it's just that chat before the game. And, and uh, another theme that I want to touch on that's sort of, I guess, maybe the hot topic in the NHL is, is goaltender interference. And obviously you see that almost every game in the regular season there was always a, some sort of situation. And now 
A big part that we've learned uh, as referees is that, you know, working with the goalies is sort of one of your main priorities on the ice. And I know that, Alex, you've had experiences with working with goalies in the past, some good, some not so good. Mm -hmm. But wondering if you could maybe provide some feedback on, you know, how you communicate with the goalies and how you work with them over the course of a game. No, Brandon. Um, a lot of things, like we talked about earlier today, was communication. So whether it's during the play, goalies will respect you um, if you let the players kind of like watch the crease while the play is going on, kind of thing. Uh, just like after the whistle, head up to him and be like, "Hey, I know he was in your crease there. The puck would have went in, made contact. One, either goal interference, two, no goal, kind of thing." So goalies will respect that. Even if they make a nice save, be like, "Hey, bud, nice save." So just kind of even just sort of building some rapport and just some small little small little chit chat chit chats during the game and that kind of helps you build that uh, that rapport I guess would be would be the best word and even with linesmen I guess you can kind of build rapport with the goalies too when you're going to pick up the pucks and oh yeah they save the puck or whatever you come and say nice save fits or whatever like whatever like the nickname you have for him whatever you just say nice save. And he'll usually like appreciate that. Some guys will talk, some guys won't, and that's how they are. And you kind of figure out who's who. But even cracking a little joke, kind of keeping things on eat like easy when it's when the game's on edge, it's it's nice and nice way to cool down the game, yeah. I guess. Even like taking taking the time, like taking your time. You know, the goalie's just been um, brutalized with the puck all game long. Um, no, that's that's a good point, uh, Logan. Um, you know, working with the goalies and. There's one thing I wanted to touch on too. So Alex, you kind of were, were were sort of alluding to it earlier where, you know, you want to work with the players maybe to keep them out of the penalty box, keep the game flowing. But the more that I've sort of worked with, uh, you know, with hockey, I've, I've learned that the linesmen also play a big role in keeping guys out of the box and particularly like with scrums. So Logan, I wonder if you could maybe touch on for, for young linesmen listening out there. You know, what is it that you try and do to keep guys out of the box? Like, I mean, do you talk with them during scrums? Like, what are, what are you telling these guys, you know? It starts with the first, if you're, if you've seen a team a couple times in the season, you quickly figure out who's going to cause you more problems. And sometimes in a scrum, you're going to have like a couple players that, that don't normally do anything, that they might be locked together. They're just kind of holding on to each other, telling each other how great their hair is that day. But you see the guy that usually causes the problems. That's he's kind of skating around. I'll go follow him because he's more likely going to jab someone in the back of the leg. Maybe kind of give him a little shove and kind of stir up stuff. And and as a linesman's job at the end of the day is to kind of make the referee's day easier. If we can keep the referee from calling that extra couple penalties, it's going to make the game go by a lot smoother. I mean, I'm always, I always know who's on the ice. If there's a guy that's going to cause some, some trouble, I'm usually like first guy I go after if there's really nothing major. I mean, if there's something major, you got to go to it. I don't care who's on the ice, but if it's kind of minor stuff, we, we, we split up, we go to the guys we have to, and I'll usually end up tailing the guy that might stir up some problems. Cause, and, and that's the guy I'm always going to try to be not buddy, buddy with, but if I can kind of get in his head that like, I'm on his side or whatever, and he's going to respect that, and he's going to listen to me. It's kind of, you keep him on the proverbial leash, I guess. If you can kind of give him a give him a little bit of a tug every once in a while, he's going to uh, respond quite well to it, I find. No, that's that's a great point. And you were talking about how, you, how you're, like, aware of that situation. I mean, when you're, you know, during the play, I mean, do you look for these uh, hot spots, you know, or how do you sort of, you know, identify what's going to happen? I mean, what are some... Tips, I guess you could share. 
for those listening out there. If you see a big scrum, you kind of just have to go in and, and work your way into the middle of it. Maybe there's a hit in the corner guy takes a dirty hit on some guy and there's a big scrum. If you can go and kind of worm your way through the scrum and grab the guy the, the, the guy that took the original penalty and get him out of there, well, everyone else there is not going to, it's going to kind of die down because now the guy that caused the hit, he's gone out of there. He's in, he's in the box or off the ice or whatever. And now there's really no reason for the players to be there. And then they'll kind of calm down. So it's little stuff like that. If you can kind of get the get the guy that kind of started the whole the whole problem out of there, it's going to be a lot easier for the referee to kind of defuse the situation because the guy's not there. He's not. All the players are there because of him, because of a player, or whatever. If he's out of there, there's no reason for there to be scrum. Yeah, and is there even a way to prevent scrums? Like I'm thinking of a situation in a game where you might see a slash behind the play, and you know that the guy that got slashed is is pretty ticked off, and he's going to be taking a run at that guy as soon as he can. I mean. Is there certain ways you can even prevent these things from happening? Sometimes, yeah, if you say there's a slash in the back of the legs and behind the play and you see the play kind of going up, if you can kind of tell that the whistle's going to be blown, if there's a little play at the net and the goalie's about to cover it, I'm busting in there and he's the first guy I'm going to kind of try to get out of the out of the scrum because he might want to go into, this, into a scrum and whack the guy that just hit him, rightfully so, but you kind of have to prevent that because that's that's your job. And if you can keep him out of there, then maybe we don't have a scrum and everyone goes away peacefully and we it makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. If we miss that and he goes in there and whacks him, well, now we have a bigger scrum. Referee's got to call a penalty or two and, and it's delaying the game and the, the intensity gets up and the emotions start running a little higher than it needs to be. Yeah, Alex, I wonder if you could maybe build on that and talk about you know, the usefulness of having linesmen kind of get in there and prevent you from calling penalties, but maybe also um, just how do you communicate with these guys in, in like scrums and stuff? I mean, you were talking about talking to guys about maybe high hits or, you know, keeping the sticks down, but in scrums like that, I mean, can you really communicate with the players? I mean, what are you, what would you tell these guys? Well, it all depends on the situation. You got to be loud, um, and some players will hear you. Other players, their emotions are too high. They're zoning everybody out. They want to get after that one guy. Um, so that's that's what it helps with the linesmen, especially when they anticipate um, that there's going to be something going on. Um, they're in there quick, and hopefully they can uh, de-escalate the situation. Yeah, and so like we see, I guess sometimes in foreman, uh, you know, you'll have one referee that's maybe chatting, you know, getting in there in the middle of things, and you have one referee kind of on the outside. I mean, could you maybe kind of just provide a little bit of information on what you guys are looking for in those situations? I mean, do you have one guy that's sort of actively engaged, one looking for penalties? I mean, what's what's sort of the thought process there? So in the scrum, our biggest worry is why did it start? And then making sure that there's no cheap shots in the scrum, right? So typically, we love taking the first guy uh, that starts stuff, and we'll put a team down five on four. If a guy hauls off, everything's de-escalated, and a guy hauls off and gives a guy shot behind the legs or suckers him, um, then that's the type that we would even it up kind of thing. Okay. And uh, like I, I think a lot of referees out there, there's, there's one cool thing that I've sort of learned is that, you know, when you have a game where all these scrums are happening, you see referees all of a sudden keeping, uh, I don't know what the term is, but you kind of have, you, have to, you take one guy to the box instead of both or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean... Is that something that, that referees out there can add to their toolbox to stop these scrums from happening? Or what, what is, what's, what's the objective behind something like that? Oh, for sure. If you're having scrum after scrum after scrum and you're taking a guy from each team, staying five on five, nobody's going to learn. 
Um, if you put a team down five on four, time after time again after a scrum, that's usually when we can put the nail on the head there. And so the basically, the coaches and players will learn that that's that's going to stop. Usually, usually doesn't but, always uh, happen. Doesn't always happen, but uh, okay. but uh, it's uh, a tool that we can bring out and we can use it. And so we're kind of wrapping up with our time here, but uh, I'm wondering if we could maybe you know end on a light note here and. I think a lot of the times referees and linesmen can kind of uh, get on each other's cases a little bit. I mean, certainly as a linesman, I've seen some pretty bad puck drops from referees. And I'm sure referees, you know, shake their heads sometimes at what linesmen are doing. So I wonder if we could maybe, you know, bridge that gap a little bit and you guys could talk about what you appreciate from the other side. So, Logan, what do you appreciate from from referees that you work with? Uh, Best part that I appreciate is when they stick up for you sometimes. You'll have some guy that'll shoot the puck after the whistle or whatever and your referee either comes in and tends him whatever or just gives it to him stuff little stuff like that i appreciate because at least there you know he's got your back like like i said we we're a team out there and he he has your back and it's it's a little settling it's nice Alex, how about you? <laughs> no, linesmen, they help us out a lot. Um, they don't only chase pucks. Um, they definitely help us out, either preventing uh, scrum, either they help keep the game flow going, they are just beautiful to look at sometimes. <laughs> look at yeah, Logan, especially there. You're working with somebody like Logan, too, they can help you lighten the mood in the rink, too. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely helps, too. Um, before, during the game, um, it's an intense game. Logan likes to crack up the jokes here and there, but no, it's so yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think we're like I said, we're running to the upper limits of our time here. But I wanted to just thank both you guys for taking the time to help out. And uh, one thing that the listeners should be really excited about is that Logan and Alex both volunteered their time and are offered to share their skills and expertise this weekend. We uh, filmed them doing some games, so. We had the uh, the video cameras on their helmets, and they're going to be you know walking us through I guess their perspective on games and how they communicate and how they work together as a team. So I wanted to thank both you guys, and I'm wondering maybe if you could just give some parting advice to uh, young officials out there. Uh, my biggest thing for officials um, is always be reading the rule book. There's always situations that can occur, and you got to be ready for those situations. I don't know, best thing I could probably say is have fun. I mean, if you're not having fun, if you're doing it for the money, it's not going to last. Like, I, as, as much as the money is kind of, it's a bonus or whatever the way you want to look at it, it's, it's, I enjoy being out on the ice going for a skate for a couple hours with, with guys you know, your buddies, and it's just a nice little pastime sometimes. Yeah, both of you guys, thanks for your time, and, uh, and good luck with your careers. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. Cheers.